And with all that's going on in the world, politically and in the Middle East and with the nations, uh, I personally think that the stage is being set. I think heaven is about to speak. And the next words, the next utterance, is going to be the rapture of the church, the body of Christ. And that's okay with me. So it doesn't matter, though, if the rapture happens in the next five minutes or the next 500 years. What we want to do here is to serve the Lord with gladness, to serve Him with faithfulness, and to look forward to this new year as an opportunity to share the gospel of the grace of God with a world that so desperately needs to hear, that needs to hear that Christ is the answer that Jesus saves. This is the time when everyone starts making new resolutions. You get to the point where you talk about making resolutions just so that they can break them, and it's kind of becoming a joke. But I admit there is something good, there is something actually biblical, something special about starting out new, starting out fresh, starting out all over again. Uh, as I said, it is biblical. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. He's a new, new creature. Uh, Colossians 3.10 tells us that we're to put on the new man. So the scripture over and over and over again talks about starting new. Our, our memory verse of the day, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, talked about forgetting those things which are past. And we, we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ. That's all about starting new. There's going to be a new heaven. All those in favor say aye. There's going to be a new earth. There's going to be a new Jerusalem. All new. And that's what God, God promises, what God will deliver. See, we need to realize that salvation is not just a new start. That when a person comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, it's not a new start. You become a new person. A lot of people talk about starting over. Well, see, what God does when he comes into your life and he changes your life, he literally makes you a new person. See, it's not that your situation has changed. When God takes a hold of you, you're changed. You become a new creature, a new creation that God desires to work with, to work through for his glory. All things become new. Now, as we gather together and we start making new resolutions, um, I suggest we make new resolutions about things that really matter, things that are going to help us mature in Christ, things that are going to help us grow in Christ. Matter of fact, all of our resolutions need to be scripturally based. And I'm going to recommend a couple to you this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's a good resolution for believers to take on in this new year. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, that's a great resolution to start out 2020. You know, they talk about 2020 is what? Perfect vision. Right, Aaron? Right, Leah? Yeah. 2020's perfect vision. So let this year be where you are focused on presenting your body to the Lord. Here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's your reasonable service. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 19 and 20 and 21 talks about the fact that we are to be ministers of the word of reconciliation, that we are to be ambassadors for Christ Jesus. The resolution you make for the Lord this, as you start out this year is, Lord, I want to be that ambassador for you that you would have me to be. Ephesians 3, 9. And this, I'm going to talk a little bit later about this one here in just a few seconds. But Ephesians 3, 9. To make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Not only should it be our not only should we be resolved in 2020 to share the gospel of the grace of God, it is important that we be resolved to make sure that people with, with those with whom we come in contact understand that mystery, that hidden secret that has to do with this present dispensation. Those are the kind of revolu- uh, revolutions, kind of resolutions that I think we need to take on. See, without a doubt, without a doubt, when we contemplate, when we meditate upon all that the Lord Jesus has done on our behalf, it is easy to see why it is our reasonable service to say, here I am, Lord, use me. It's easy to see why we would surrender all to him when we stop and contemplate all that he's done for us. Our desire for this coming new year should be to serve faithfully, to train faithfully, and to worship faithfully. To serve faithfully means to take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself to share the gospel, regardless of where you are. And what I encourage you to do is be resolved in 2020 to say, Lord, put me in situations where the opportunity to share the truth of your love and of your mercy and the gift of God that is provided by your grace, put me in situations where I can share that truth. May the opportunity just surprise me that a person just starts talking about their woes and their needs and 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 the changes they need to make. Lord, put me in those situations where they just start talking to me, and I just know that that's you putting me there in order to share the gospel. Lord, may I serve faithfully. May my mouth be willing to utter those glorious truths of your mercy and of your grace. May we train faithfully. 
May we be aware of the importance of studying God's word to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How important that is that we train and worship faithfully. That means being able to come together, being willing to come together, be resolved to come together and meet with the local body of Christ, with brothers and sisters that you love, that you care for, that, that you, you understand that that accountability is important, that you encourage them and they encourage you. Hey, you all encourage me. When you, when you show up, you have no idea what a blessing that is to me. So this year, Lord, I, I want to be inside that building where the body of Christ is meeting, where the church is meeting, because you are that church. Lord, I, I want to be there to fellowship with those dear people. I want to love on them. I, Father, I, I want to be there to encourage them. I want to be an encouragement to them. Father, I look forward to them being an encouragement to me. And 2020 being dedicated to doing that. And folks, I, I'm convinced, as I mentioned at the very beginning, that the Lord's return is nearer today than it was yesterday, and I have proof. Well, time. I mean, it's supposed to be a joke, but I guess if you have to explain it, as Ed Judy used to say, not very funny. <laughs> but we are closer today than we were yesterday to the Lord's return. And see, again, it's not... Not concerned if it's five minutes or 500 years from now, regardless, regardless of how soon the rapture is, we need to be aware of a fact. Our time is shorter to serve than it was yesterday. Our time to serve is limited, and we are instructed by God's Word to redeem the time and be serious about our calling, about our mission, and about our service. See, we need to realize that this time a year ago, I personally know of seven dear people that were here, well, maybe not all here, but that I've lost in, since this time last year, from Bill Kennedy to Neil to so many others. Uh, their time was running out to serve faithfully. They did, but we, we just don't know. We don't know. Lord, take this year, take this time, take this moment, and may I be dedicated to serving you, serving you. And you know what truly amazes me this morning is when I pause to consider the ministry that the one who spoke and the universe came into existence, the one who's, by whose power and might the planets are held together and sustained, the one whose love knows no boundaries, whose grace knows no limits, whose long-suffering knows no end. What amazes me is that God allows me and allows you to participate in his glorious plan of redemption. I stand all over that, that he allows us to participate, that he allows us to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. See, God has ordained it, God has established it, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he has chosen to use those vessels that he has redeemed to share that message. 
that you are God's mouthpiece. You are God's witness. Hey, he could have used angels. It'd be pretty impressive, wouldn't it? If on your door, an angel stood and said, need to tell you about God's grace. That would be pretty impressive. But there are no lightning bolts. There's no demonstrations of that type of power. God does not use angels. He uses you. He uses us to share that truth. There are no miracles. There are no signs. There are no wonders during this dispensation of the grace of God. But the message is the power itself. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. You want to see a wonder, you want to see a miracle, you want to see power unleashed, share the gospel, the grace of God. Tell people that Jesus saves. Share with them the fact that he died for their sins, was buried and rose again. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. And God allows us to participate. And it's absolutely astounding to me that God's purpose for the church, the body of Christ, for us, is to crush Satan under our feet shortly. Isn't that amazing? Not only does he desire to use us to get the gospel out, could have used elephants, could have used, you say, well, you're being silly. He could have used horses, he could have used dogs. He could have used anything. But he says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. He did use a donkey once, okay, to get someone's attention. So the fact is he could do it again. But folks, do you understand the importance that God desires to use us to get the gospel out. Not only does he desire to use us to get the gospel out, but he tells us that we, the church, the body of Christ, is that we are going to bruise Satan, that God is going to bruise Satan under our feet shortly. It's Romans 6, uh, 16. Romans 16, 20. It has to do with legal subjection that he is going to bruise Satan under our feet. It astounds me that God has determined that sinners redeemed by the precious blood of Christ will in the ages to come show forth the exceeding riches of His grace. Not only does God desire to use us as witnesses of His mercy, of His grace, not only does God, is God planning on using the church, the body of Christ, to bring Satan under uh, judgment, but he uses the church as trophies of his grace. So the ages to come, all of creation in, in eternity is going to point to the church, the body of Christ, and we are going to be the ones that demonstrate his amazing grace. Why wouldn't we worship someone like that? Amen? Why wouldn't we desire to live for someone like that. To me, that is all so humbling. We all should stand in awe and wonder as we reflect that our Heavenly Father has called each and every one of us 
to be ministers of the word of reconciliation. Every child of God, uh, every child of God, his top priority, her top priority should be to share 2 Corinthians 5.17. That is our great commission. That is the greatest commission. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. What a message that is to share. Hey, I got news for you. It's not just reserved for the preachers. That's not just a joy that theological students get to enjoy. But every child of God who's been redeemed by God's mercy are those ministers. And as I said, Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. The world is lost. The world is dying in sin. There are enemies of the cross, but God's mercy, His grace is still extended. His gift, His offer of salvation is still being extended. And we get to tell folks that. We get to tell folks that, yeah, I know the world, I know the world looks at the church and it scoffs and it ridicules. And that's sad, but that shouldn't prevent us from wanting to share the gospel. Listen, church. As we redeem the times, we need to understand without exception that we are ambassadors. The question is, what kind of ambassador are you going to be? What kind of ambassador? What an honor and privilege to represent our holy, our righteous God. To represent the one that angels bow to, that angels praise in heaven. Oh, that is the greatest commission of all time. It's to be called upon to share the gospel. Angels are just ministering, uh, ministering spirits. That's what an angel is. He's a ministering spirit. You're a joint heir of Christ. You're a joint heir of Christ. Realizing that angels can't sing amazing grace. You ever thought about that? Angels can't sing amazing grace, but we can. Angels can't declare themselves to be joint heirs, that they're heirs of God, that they're going to inherit everything that the Lord Jesus inherits. They can't glory in that. They can't glory in the cross, but we can. We can. And as we do that, part of that glorying is sharing with the world that Jesus saves. It's the time that we understand that witnessing, that sharing the gospel is not only something that we should do, it's who we are as joint heirs. It's who we are as joint heirs. What also amazes me as 1 Corinthians 3.9 talks about the fact that we are laborers together with God. For we are laborers together, not for God. You are God's husbandry. You are his vineyard. You are his fertile soil. You are God's building. 
but labors together with God. And his desire is to, include, is to include us in that plan of redemption. Not just save us, but to grant us the privilege of telling the lost that Jesus saves. To proclaim the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. That that is our great privilege to go and tell. To serve and to labor with our almighty God. This past week on New Year's Day, as a matter of fact, we were having lunch with a bunch of friends and uh it's one guy that we with everybody was kind of sitting around and talking and and uh started and second time this guy did this he started out talking politics and that's okay I, I i enjoy that started talking politics and the last time i was with him we started talking politics and he brought the fact well i'm not very religious and he's right, he's not very, you know, and I thought, but that's okay. But that's the second time he brought that up. And the last time he brought it up, I started trying to talk to him a little bit, and we got interrupted. Well, this time I thought, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm going to really sh- share with him. And so he brought up the fact, he said, well, you know, I'm not very religious. And I said, oh, man, I'm not either. Said, what? I said, you know, Christianity is not about religion. It's, it's all about having a personal relationship with, with Christ. And he said, well, I, here, here's what I believe a person needs to do. And he, he said, a person needs to do this, and a person needs to do that, and, and I try to do this, and I try to do that. And, and in between each one of his, I try, I try, I try. I tried to say, but, but, but. And I finally, he stopped telling me all the things he felt like he needed to do with the hopes that in the end, he's going to be able to stand before God and when it comes time to reckon, well, he's going to be pretty safe because of all the things he did for God. And when he finally got to that part about hoping it all adds up and and he's okay with God, I just said, man, you won't be. I said, there's... There's nothing righteous about you. You're exactly right. And all these things that you say you're wanting to do, according to God's word, they're really as filthy rags, and, and, and they're not going to measure up. And you, you can't save yourself. And he stood there listening, and uh, actually sat there listening. And I said, Here's, it's not about what you do. It's all about what Christ has done for you. And he looked at me strangely. I said, salvation is God's free gift. And what you need to do in order to be saved, it's not about what all you need to do to kind of make that balance, uh, that, that weight shift in your favor. Christ has already done that. And he looked at me and he said, well, okay, but I don't believe that. After all that witnessing and all of that sharing, something that is just glorious to me, something that's exciting to me, something that it's, I don't, it's not, I don't have to do it, I can't. God's got a remedy for that. It's his son on Calvary's cross that I can be saved, and it's a free gift, and it's not about what I do, it's all about what Christ has done Boy, that's exciting. 
Well, I don't believe that. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pray for Kevin. Pray for Kevin. Because God's word says that some people plant, some people water, but it's God that gives the increase. And we're going to pray that Kevin continues to hear. I mean, he hasn't heard the last from me. They like to get together. We we try to get together. His family, we've kind of become friends there in Hermit. So we're going to going to keep that going but the word's been planted it's not about what you do friend one of these days I hope to be able to say it's not about what you did brother and he's going to say yeah that's what Christ's done that's what I'm praying that he's going to come to that point see the greatest news broadcast ever declared was first by the angels in Matthew 28, 6, when they said, He is not here. He is risen, and as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. That's the greatest news broadcast ever. And then what did the angel tell the ladies? Go. Go and tell his disciples that he's alive. And we get to do that. And may 2020 be the time that we do that faithfully. Yes, it's our privilege to serve. It's our privilege to share. And I hope in 2020 we're going to be resolved, each and every one of us, to share that truth. That every one of us, believer, listen, listen. It should be the desire of every person here to lead someone to Christ. You realize that? It should be, people say, what can we do to cause our church to grow? Each one win one. You think parking's a problem now? I'd love to see it a much more, much more difficult problem. Each one win one. That's what God desires for us to do. Or he wouldn't call us ministers of the word of reconciliation. If that wasn't part of his plan. It's our privilege to serve But it's also our responsibility to study His Word, to show ourselves approved unto God. Not that study is going to gain you favor or approval with God. We already have that in Christ. We're already complete in Christ. What that verse is talking about is we study to show or to bear witness that our testimony, it means something that your devotion to the Scriptures are recognized. Study to show yourself to, uh, approved unto God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Knowing the Word of God is absolutely important. And folks, you, you're not going to get enough of this book just coming on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights. You need to be a student of God's Word on a daily basis. That old saying that Bible is falling apart doesn't belong to someone who isn't. A Bible that's falling apart belongs to someone who isn't. Yeah, that's the way it's said. People see, people notice when you're a student of God's Word. You know what I want... I want my grandchildren to take my Bible 
when I'm gone and they're going through all of my stuff. I want them to take my Bible, and, and if they want to do it prior to when I'm gone, that's okay too. But I want them to take my Bible, I want them to open it, I want them to go, wow, wow, Papa Rick loved God. Papa Rick loved God's Word. What is written here meant something to him. I want my grandkids to see that. See, more than how I mark my Bible, it's how the Bible marks me. That's what's important, and I want my grandkids to see it. More than how I've marked through my Bible, I want them to see, I want them to recognize how the Bible has had its mark on me. That's what's important. That's why I encourage you to study, to prepare, to train for the spiritual warfare that I think is about to get even more heated. The Lord has revealed himself to us through his word, both the living word and the written word. And I encourage you to know both. The living word is Savior. The written word, study to show yourself approved unto God. Because it's the written word that, that reveals God's character and his attributes and his traits. Let me encourage you to know him in that fashion. Let me encourage you to take 2 Timothy 2.15 and live by that. Study to show thyself to prove unto God a worm in the need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 1 Timothy 1.12, Paul talks about the fact how he is so glad that God counted him faithful, putting him in the ministry. And to faithfully study means to rightly divide God's word because if we don't rightly divide it, we run the... Well, I'll tell you this. If you don't rightly divide God's word, you are going to preach the wrong gospel. You are going to preach the wrong truth if you do not rightly divide God's word. It's that serious to make sure you understand the mystery. And one of my resolutions for 2020 is in our study, in our study here, is we're going to get into more detail about... What do we mean when we talk about the mystery? What do we mean when we talk about those Pauline distinctives? What do we mean when, when we talk about preaching the grace of God or rightly dividing the word? It's been several years since we went through that, our doctrinal statement, what we believe. Sometime, at some point in 2020, we need to redo that. Because praise be to God, we have a whole lot of new folks. And you need to know what it is that our church stands on. But especially, what do we mean by rightly dividing the word of truth? What do we mean when we talk about that mystery that was revealed to the Apostle Paul, that was kept secret? What does that mean? It's imperative that we understand that. Why is it imperative? That we make sure we're preaching the true gospel. Making sure that we're telling people exactly what they need to do to be saved. And we're not causing them to do other things and putting their faith in other things, believing another gospel. That's important, folks. 
You know, I, I've shared this with you in the past that had a, one of our students at our seminary years ago was a pastor uh, of another, another church. And it was a church that didn't hold to our doctrinal statement, baptismal regeneration and restoration theology. And uh, he saw us advertised in the newspaper and, and here in town, and, and he, he signed up. And I will never forget the day that this pastor came in, and that's when my office was back over there. And he came in, and he stood in that office with tears running down his eyes. Because of the people that he had told certain untruths, not meaning to. His intent was not to lead them astray. But when he came to the truth of what we have to do in order to be saved and what God's word tells us to do in this present dispensation in all of his years in the ministry that he had not been doing that and the things that he had told people they needed to do and his intentions, his intentions were honorable but with tears and weeping talked about his regret. It just solidified to me how important this local assembly is if we, as we stand on the word of God rightly divided, taking seriously those Pauline epistles as he demonstrates the fact that he is our apostle during this dispensation. It's one of the reasons that our church, and we're going to even do more so in, in 2020, that 2 Timothy 2.2 tells us that that we are to train, we are to teach, and the things that you have learned of me, that's Paul's writing, talking to Timothy, the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. That's what we want to do here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship. Amen? We want to make sure they understand the Word of God. Hey, but here, here's some good news. You need to understand this. Right now, right now, because of the school that God led us to, to start and that you have faithfully supported and God has blessed, right now in Houston, Texas, Randy Williams is standing there in his congregation preaching the Word of God, rightly divided. Paul Turner, Matt Ritchie, Timothy Board, Terry Covert, Steve Blackwell, Don Hosfeld, Marvin Powers, Jeffrey Newnham, Jap Weta, all the way in Netherlands, because he's probably asleep now. But anyway, before, Tyrell Shoemaker, Neil, Mike Markham, all of these people who have come and been trained at, under our school program, they are standing this very moment declaring God's word rightly divided. How important, how, in, how thrilling, how exciting that is for this local congregation. That we can say that we've had a ministry, and, and that's not all the guys, that's just all that I could think of as I was writing them down. There, there are more. And I think we just get more serious about training men 
We've got Steve McFarlane that's taking classes. We have Larry O'Meara right now that's taking classes. Uh, uh, John Hunts, but he's taking classes. But you know who just started taking classes? Denny Blankenship. Denny just started taking classes and is going to start a church. You remember Denny? How many of you remember Denny? Denny was a part of us. He just recently started taking courses, and he is so excited about getting his degree from our school, from our seminary. He wants to start a church over there in Illinois. Not, none of you guys from Illinois can go there. Okay, That's one of the things. Okay, All you from Illinois, forget what I just said. Uh, yeah, you'd, you want to stay here. But our desire to train men and women that are not ashamed of the gospel, we want to train men and women that are thrilled to be part of God's plan of redemption. We want to train men and women who are gladly, gladly to be used by Almighty God to proclaim His truth because it's your reasonable service when you stop and think of all that God has done. 2020, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Use me. Here I am, Lord. I am yours, and I submit to your absolute ownership. I bow before your holiness, and I stand in awe and wonder at your desire to use a wretch like me. Watch what God can do. Answer the call that you are an ambassador if you've trusted Christ as your Savior. And I pray this morning that you've done that. I pray this morning that by faith you have believed that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. This morning you have recognized the fact that you are a sinner, but the good news is Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That you were lost and in need of a Savior, and Christ is the Savior. And by faith, you believe what happened on Calvary's cross was payment in full for the debt you owed. And you realize that you could not do any work, you could not do anything that could earn it, that would, would grant it to you because of efforts or works on your part. But you did what pleases God by faith, by faith. Lord, I accept that. Lord, I believe that your gift of salvation, I accept that free gift. And if you haven't, in the quietness of this moment, this is your opportunity. You're not going to hear any bells or whistles. I mean, there won't be any loud boons, but I guarantee you, the moment you believe in Christ, God starts his work in your life, and there will be a relief, there will be a forgiveness, there will be a change in your life. Amen? Let's stand and be dismissed.
And Father, we thank you so much for that salvation that we have in Christ. Father, we rejoice that you have called us. You've saved us. Father, we rejoice in that position that we have in the heavenlies this very moment. Father, I pray that we will be a church full of people who recognize that we are ambassadors, who will not only accept that position gladly, but take it seriously. And Father, may we be faithful in carrying out that calling on our lives. And Father, we thank you for this new year. Father, we have no idea what this new year holds, but how glad we are that you do. So our souls can be still. They can be quiet as we rest in your promises, as we cling to that assurance that heaven is our home. And Father, we love you this morning. And we lift our voices in praise and adoration and worship of you. Recognizing that you are the true and great God of heaven. And you are our Savior. And we rejoice in that truth. And we pray these things. In the name of the one that every knee is going to bow to, every tongue is going to confess to your glory, Father. In the name of Jesus, who is Lord of all.